in this Give me one second, I'm trying to get this. Okay, I think we should be good. So this morning, I am going to be talking about the sound of heaven. I'll be um, sharing with you for the next two weeks, two Sundays, and uh, we're going to be talking about the sound of heaven. Now, back in, I believe it was December of 2020, um, Prophet L.A. and I, we collaborated on a teaching series about revealing Christ. And um, one of uh, the messages were the exchange, the great exchange and the power of obedience. And during that, that series, we gained an expanded understanding of God's glory as represented in first, uh, I'm sorry, in Colossians 1 and 27. You, you know the scripture about Christ being in us and he is the hope of glory. And so when we hear glory, um, oftentimes we think of majesty, brilliance, and presence, which um, is great, but it's a limited view as I, as I shared then. Um, but as a reminder today, the Greek word for glory is doxa, which includes God's mind, his mindset, his perspective, his judgments, his intention, beliefs, so on and so forth. And so during one of those uh services, I, re I recall posing a few questions based on that new understanding or expanded understanding of what uh, God's glory really is. And I said, I asked, does not God's mind usher in his presence or his majesty or his brilliance? And does not his presence, brilliance and majesty bring with it his mind, his perspective and his intention? Now, I know that question might have sounded a little strange, a little crazy, but it is, um, it is something, those are questions that needed to be asked because of the limited view we have of what glory is. So we know that those questions, the answer to those questions are true. Yes, his mind, uh, his mind does usher in his presence and his presence ushers in his mind, but we don't typically seek the mind, his intention and his perspective as a critical part of his glory. What we do is we pick and choose what we want um, as it pertains to his glory, like we're at a buffet. You know, we go up with our plate and we, you know, we pick the decadent things, the things that we like, the things that we're used to, the things that are gonna make us feel good, you know, in our stomach and in our appetite. And, um, the thing about that is when we isolate or we <laughs> discriminate, so to speak, against the pieces of or the components of God's glory that are also essential to our growth and our transformation, we are, we, we don't, we're not, and we're unable to fulfill, completely fulfill his purpose on our lives. So um, basically what we do when we pick and choose is we, we, um, we do that based on how we feel at the time. A lot of times we're looking for God's tangible presence and we're looking to be in a, in a great, grandiose, um, high worship service because we want to feel good. We want to feel better. We, we, we want some level of escape from what we feel is a crazy situation or our circumstances are overwhelming or it's just too much going on. And I just need to get in the Lord's presence so I can just feel better. And so all of that, that piece in terms of our feel better, that's temporary. And like I said, it's good 
it's good to, to, to be able to let loose and to cry and to be in his presence in that regard, but it is not all that God's glory brings. His presence brings his mind, his mindset, and all of those things. So as we're looking for his glory and asking for his glory, we have to remember that we are asking also for his mind, his solution to our circumstances, not to just escape them, but what do we need to navigate our circumstances so that we are not led by our feelings, we are not led by our emotions, we are not led, led based off of all of these other things. We are looking for God's intent in the midst of seeking also his uh, majesty and his brilliance. And so for the next two weeks, that's going to be the undercurrent of what we're talking about. That's why I wanted to share that with you. I want you to remember and keep that in the back of your mind as we're talking about the sound of heaven. God's glory um, is all that he is. When, when his presence come, comes, everything he is comes to us. So um, let me go to the next slide. So I want you to keep that in mind. But our foundational scripture for this series, there's going to be two scriptures, but this is the first one, 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. Um, and it reads, and when the trumpeters and singers were joined in unison, making one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and other instruments for song and praise the Lord saying, for he is good for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then, then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. And our second foundational scripture for this series is going to be John 17, 20 through 21. Now, this is where Jesus was praying to the Father, not just on, not just concerning his current disciple or his current, the current apostles that he had at the time. He was also praying for every believer down through the generations. And it says, neither for these alone do I pray. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all of those who will never, who will ever come to believe in, trust and cling to and rely on me through their word and teaching. Keep that in mind too, that, that subsequent believers are coming to know Christ based on what the previous believers were teaching and preaching and sharing about who Christ is, that they will, that they all might be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also might be one in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. These are our foundational scriptures, and I will refer to them as we go through. But I want to read something to you, and then I'm really just going to jump in. Um, I want to share, too, that 
you all know when you prepare for a message, there's so many ideas running through your mind. And sometimes you get exactly what God wants you to share, you know, early on and you're fine. And then it's some days, which is how he kind of deals with me. It's like right before you need to, to share, um, you're getting this download or you're even getting a download while you're sharing. So um, we are just going to go uh, based on how Holy Spirit flows, but I'm, I'm going to share um, from that place. So let me grab this. I want to read this. Back in uh, 2011, it was the summer of 2011, uh, my family and I had gone to what we call a sunset parade at the Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. Um, my husband and I are uh, Marines. We're no longer active, but um, he did 20 years. I did 11. And so we went to this sunset parade and um, basically the, the, U, the U.S. Marine Corps band, which is the president's own band, was putting on a performance. And about a month later, that particular being at that event had resonated with me so much that I just began to write. And this is what um, came of it. I was writing prayer points at that time. And so this was uh, January 2nd of 2012, and it's called The Sound. My family and I had the privilege of attending a sunset parade at Marine, Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C. last summer. During the president's own uh, performance, a young female came forward to play a solo. Her instrument was a piccolo. At first glance, it was easy to mistake the small device as an insignificant part of the performance. However, the piccolo's distinct sound made it clear that size, appearance, and the initial perception of the crowd did not dictate the piccolo's contribution to the masterpiece. When her assignment was skillfully executed, skillfully executed, the soloist returned to her place in line and the entire band resumed play. To my surprise, in the conglomerate of instruments and the meshing of melodies, I was able to hear a sound among many. Yes, it was the piccolo, a unique sound once hidden in obscurity was now detectable and clear. While the secure and while secure and shining in its individuality, the piccolo sound did not distort the overall harmony. Instead, it complemented the whole, a musical arrangement all were able to enjoy. Each member in the body of Christ has a distinct sound, which is a matchless expression of God. When we yield ourselves to the potter, the instrument maker, and allow him to skillfully blow into our lives, which is the operation of the Holy Spirit, we release a unique sound. As God uses us at various times and for various reasons, we learn that the melody is not dependent upon one stance, one sound alone. Rather, our sounds blended with the unique sounds of others, our, our, our individual sound blended with the unique sounds of others creates the sound of God, heaven heard in all the earth for all to witness. 
I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to read this last piece. Um, again, remember it was 2012. We have successfully crossed over into 2012, a year of perfected government. This year, the citizens of God's kingdom will step into their respective places of rulership, a unique sound to ensure the dictates of heaven are carried out. Let's begin this new year with a declaration on our lips, application in our feet to rule well and to brilliantly display the mighty God we serve. Now, that was 2012. And some would regard that as an old word. However, God has breathed a new wind into it for me because he truly brought this back to my mind as I was preparing for this lesson. And when he brought it back and I grabbed it, I said, this is this exact same scripture that I'm using for, um, for our message this morning. And I said, okay, something is going on here. Let me explore this. So I want to read this again and we'll jump in. And when the trumpeters and singers were joined in unison, making one sound to be heard and praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and other instruments for song and praise the Lord saying, for he is good, his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, we are one. That's what we are talking about today. In that prayer point that I wrote, we talk about, I talk about how the piccolo came forth out of the, the band to play a solo. And there was a distinct sound that was, that went forth out of that particular instrument in its individuality. But when it stepped, when she stepped back into the band and they began to resume play, the melody that came forth, it didn't distort her particular sound and it didn't distort the, the band, the, the melody that was going forth with all of them playing. And I want, I want us to, to really understand that in this time, and it's been all through mankind, but all through our history as human beings, but we're living now, we're living in modern times. And one of the things that we've seen that is so heart-wrenching and so detrimental to the body of Christ is the fact that we, we are consumed with idolatry in the body of Christ. We're consumed with this individuality, this, indi this individualism to where we're exalting man above Christ. We're exalting everyone else over Christ. And we, under we, know, we know better than that. We know Christ is our source. He is, he is um, the son of God. He is the one who came and, and gave his life so that we could be set free, that we could walk out God's purposes in the earth. And so when, when we exalt man over Christ, what we do, if we go back to John 17, 20 and Jesus's um, prayer to the Lord, to, to the father, we distort the picture, the sound of heaven when we only, when we're exalting man and we're not exalting Christ, when we're only uh, exalting our gift and what we bring to the table. So we have to remember that we are one. Now this, we are one started way back when, before even the creation of the world. When we go back to Genesis one and one, we see in chapter one, where God said, let us make man in our what? Likeness and image. So we are one was demonstrated 
in the beginning. So if it was demonstrated in the beginning, what that helps us to realize is that that is the set pattern after which we are to follow. So together as one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created man in his likeness and image. And, and after man was created, I'm sorry, once, once um, God set that as the precedent of being one, in the beginning, he went on to say, and and, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna actually read this because I wanna I want you to get it directly. And if you have your paper Bible, take it out so you can read along. So it says in, in verse 26, and God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. So from one to twenty-five, you see that God established the environment first. Then the oneness, the pattern of oneness is established. And then he establishes purpose, which is the oneness and what he wanted creation to do once they had been created in his image and likeness. After that, he actually creates the vessel to do this in the earth. He creates Adam. Now, I'm not getting into all of this, but when he created Adam, the woman was there, they were one. So he created Adam and Eve in that moment. He hadn't pulled Eve out yet, but she was there. He created the vessel to be sent into the established environment so that his purpose could be um, replicated, repeated, and established. Then, and when you go to verse 28, it says, and God blessed them and said unto them, he began speaking. And it wasn't a speaking in a common manner. He began speaking to them in a very intimate manner, which means God was really about family, communion, unity, and oneness. He was, he was continuing the pattern of oneness from verse 26 by talking to them, giving them what the purpose was, revealing to them. He, he said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. He goes on, so on and so forth. Then in verse one, uh, chapter one, verse 31 through chapter two, purpose is fulfilled at this point. God has established the environment. Purpose was established. He created the vessel to carry forth his purpose in the earth. He, he tells them what they are supposed to do. And then God is able to sit back and watch his will unfold. He could, he could rest because there was nothing else for him to do but to commune with his vessel and his creation in things being walked out. And so um, this particular pattern is very critical to what we see happening in Second Chronicles chapter 5. This is what God wants us to replicate through our lives and through, um, you know, our existence and in our seasons. He has already established the environment in which he wants us to show forth who he is, in which he wants us to show forth who Christ is, to reveal Christ. We have been set down in certain families. We have been set down in certain, uh, a particular generation. We have been set down 
in um, a particular job, so on and so forth, in a particular community. We're part of the, the Scrabble Conservatory. He has, he has already established the environment. Now, what does this have to do with Second Chronicles? When you go back, I'm not going to get into the backstory, but when you go back, you'll see that the temple, Solomon had completed construction of the temple. And not only was the edifice done, it was outfitted with all of the, 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 the dedicated items that David had dedicated. It was also outfitted with the holy um, items from the tent of meeting and the Ark of the Covenant. So it was fully complete. And so the environment had been established and the purpose was to glorify God. We were, you know, they, they wanted to praise and thank God for his promise being fulfilled. So he sent, he sent Solomon um, to take care of that, to, to establish the temple. It came all, the, the, the instructions came all down through the generations. David thought he was going to do it. It didn't happen, but God promised and Solomon took care of it. And so everyone, the, 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 um, the people, Israel stood together as the chosen ones to praise God for his established purpose and for uh, in an established environment. And um, once they did that, once each individual said in their hearts that they were in one accord, they were in agreement, and they wanted to praise God for just the, his goodness and his mercy, and they wanted to just reveal who he was in that moment, they, they came together individually, but they came together as one nation to do this. Now, when they did this, now, not to mention the priests, they consecrated themselves. They separated themselves from everything that would defile them. You can read it in Second Chronicles. They separated themselves. They ensured that in their individual, in their individuality, that they were clean, that they were representing, that they were doing what they needed to do to properly contribute to the corporate uh, agenda. That they were they were ready to contribute to the corporate agenda. They were clean. They were focused. They were ready to give God glory in this established environment. As they did that individually and they came together collectively, the glory of God filled the temple to the point where they were unable to stand and minister. Purpose had been fulfilled. And because they, they established the way, they prepared the way, they made the way, through their oneness, the glory of God was able to show up and fill the temple. Remember, his glory wasn't just the cloud. His glory wasn't just his presence and his brilliance. It wasn't just the, the tangible weight of his glory that brought the priests to their knees. His mind had come to that environment. The oneness the oneness demanded and, and ushered in God's mind and his intent for his people. And because of the weight of his mind and his intent, it pushed them to their knees. Now, symbolically for us right now, what that means is when we come to the place of giving up, if, of preparing individually, 
but not exalting our individual contribution above anyone else's or above the entire intent of God. When we understand what this individual contribution means to the whole and we come together arm in arm where we do not elevate man, but we elevate Christ, God's glory is able to come. And every answer that we need, every solution that we need, everything that needs to be healed, every place that needs to be broken through, every prison door that needs to be opened, every place of lack is dealt with when we are one. I hope that makes sense. There is power in our oneness, but these things have to be in place. God is, I put that last scripture there, Genesis 3 and 8, and that's just one of them, where it shows God's um, consistent intent of communion. He always wants to speak to us. He never wanted anyone to be in the middle. He never wanted a middleman. He always wanted to commune with us. And that intent should be carried out in us individually and connect corporately. This is why we need one another. The Bible tells us that we see in part, if we do not understand that we have to be one and the power that comes out of our oneness, God's will will be fulfilled to a degree, but it will not, the full picture will not come forth like it needs to. We're, we, we are, we, and, and I'm going to jump a slide because I want, want you to see this. When we go back to John um, chapter 17 and we look at what Jesus said, he asked the Lord to make them one and make us all one so that it says that they also might be one in us so that the world might believe and be convinced that you sent me. How can they be convinced if we, we are only individuals representing Christ? If we do that, what happens is we begin to display a distorted picture of who he is. This We see this picture here on the screen. It's colorful. We, we understand there's some different components to it. But how much more would this picture communicate if all the pieces were in place? If this, if this was a fully completed um, picture, when we do not when we do not buy into God's intent, his mind, his perspective, his belief of what communion is, what oneness is, what unity is, we distort Christ in the earth and then the world begins to hate Christ, don't want nothing to do with Christ, don't want to ever realize that he, he, what he has done for them. And, and then subsequently they never tap into the, the, the peace they play in his plan and intent for them and for the corporate body. We cannot walk around here handicapped. We cannot walk around here lopsided and looking twisted when we have access to what's necessary to reveal Christ, to bring forth the sound of heaven. Our oneness ushers in the sound of heaven. Our oneness ushers in the presence of God, which includes his mind. My question to you is what are you doing 
in an individual state in terms of your preparation, in terms of ensuring that you're not elevating man above Christ, in terms of making sure that you are, you are separating yourself from those things that would defile your contribution to the picture that the body needs to display to the world. What are we doing? I'm not just, this is not just about you. I'm asking all of us, what are we doing to become one? I've seen too many situations where um, people have become enamored enamored with what they've been given to do. God told me to build this. God told me to do this. God told me to write this. God told me to to, um, create this. And all they see is just that. They don't understand that they can't do just that by themselves. It is going to take a team a collaboration. It is going to take the corporate, um, the, the, the oneness and the corporate agreement for that particular project or whatever it is to come forth in the fullness of what God's intent was in the first place. And then those individual projects then collectively come together to show even a greater picture of who Christ is. I, by no stretch of the imagination, and nowhere near um, being a, an actress or a director or producer like Prophet L.A. But I can come alongside her and I can do some administrative things. I can do some background things to assist her and what she's been given to do. And then it comes, what needs to be done comes forth as God's fully complete plan and intent for that project. And then that project meets my project where other people have come in to help me and these the connection the oneness of it all starting with the individual vessel the oneness of it all then begins to paint the picture of who Christ really is. I hope you're understanding this pattern that God established from the beginning when he said let us make man in our likeness and image we're going, we're going to keep going back to that. That pattern is necessary in order for the world to see Christ. In my individual self, have I become one with Christ? Have I acknowledged the fact that he's resident? Have I acknowledged the fact of what he's given me? Because if you go back to 2 Chronicles 5, it says, first, they lifted their voices in praise. So to me, what that symbolically means is that they individually decided to praise God with their voice. But then, then we're going to go back so you can see it. It says, um, and, and they lifted up their voice and, and with their instruments. What are your instruments, artisans? What are your, what are your instruments? What are your tools, scribes? What tools are you using to bring the sound of heaven to the established environments you've been sent to? I know a lot of this sounds similar to other messages, but that's what it's about, the harmony of the scripture, the harmony and consistency of the message. What is the heart of God? What is his mind? Not only are you preparing your individual self being one with God, understanding that Christ is in you, but also are you ensuring that 
the tools you've been given to use, that you're incorporating that in the oneness? Are you ensuring that you are coming alongside your brother or your sister in the oneness and their instruments and their tools in the oneness? And are you considering what all of that means to the full picture? I hope, I, does, I, I, well, I, I'm, I'm praying this makes sense. But um, we're, again, we are individuals. We are individuals who are trying to ensure that we do not distort the picture, the image of Christ in the earth. Now, I added these pictures to show our individuality. All beautiful in our, you know, our individual selves and our individual um, expression of Christ. Beautiful. Uh, the fire of God comes, the, 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 the water of the word, I mean, it just is there. You can see it. I don't have to explain these pictures. And it's great. But one sound in terms of our individuality, our unique expression, it doesn't, it, it pales in the light of what we can do together. The power of community the power of the corporate body, the power of oneness is so necessary right now. It's always been necessary because it's been God's intent. But I'm telling, I don't know if y'all sense this, but it is, in, it is intensely resonating with me. And I, I, I just have been pressed to share this. You have got to examine where you need to be coming into agreement alignment and oneness so that Christ can be introduced to that established environment. And the environment, you know what? Sometimes, you you know, you look at your environment and you're like, ain't nothing but hell going on. Ain't nothing but darkness and craziness. But if God sent you to it, there is a reason and there are other people to help bring God's will to that place. But you you have to buy into the oneness. You can't be enamored with your individual note. What is the melody, the sound of heaven that has to come? This is what God is after. He's after his himself in us, displayed to a lost and dying world, displayed to environments that are parched displayed to environments that don't have what they need only because they aren't aware. Christ died for all. God wants everyone to be reconciled to him. They're just not aware. How are you bringing awareness? You can't bring awareness just by you you yourself because none of us are God. We, 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 We are not Christ. But when we do it together, These environments can see who he is and they will be convinced as John 17 and 21 says, they will be convinced of who he is. They will be be convinced that God sent him because you're there. We're Jesus in the earth. We're not, you know, we're not him literally, but the Holy Spirit is in us. And so we reveal him. We reveal him. We reveal him. We reveal him. Are we buying into our oneness, which ushers in the sound of heaven? Lord have mercy. What time is it? It's 1216. I, I, um, this is a short message 
And I, I know it was, but I really believe that what God wants to be communicated is here. I, I, I pray that you are, you've heard it, you're getting it, and you understand that your individuality is precious. It is precious in the sight of God, but it is not the uh, the sum total of what God's intent is. It is a, it, we are a piece of the puzzle. We are a note in the melody. We are a part, but we must come together corporately in order for Christ to be revealed, in order for the sound of heaven to come forth. And so we have to prepare individually. We have to have one heart, one mind. We have to be, we, we have to set ourselves to reveal Christ in the unique way he's given us. And we need to be adamant about agreeing, coming into alignment and, and um, communion with our brothers and sisters so that the world can see Christ. Because once we do that, next week, we will talk about what happens. We will talk in detail about what happens. I am going to, I'm going to stop right there and I'm, I'm going to stop the slides. Actually, I'm going to go.